Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, the official show of UTHDynasty.com. Home to over 250 and usually 300 premium podcasts annually. So if you want to get your Dynasty audio programming fix, general manager, subscriber is what you want to become to have your best season yet here. Plenty of time to get your team ready for week one and obviously dominate in season as well. Katie, I wanted to give a shout out to the recordings we did over the past few days. Uh, Both of us were on a charity stream a thon as well as you having another appearance so why don't you share the details on where people can uh, find and keyword their way uh, to find those recordings that were done over the weekend right if you check my timeline on twitter at ff underscore skylar 399 i was on the debbie summit we were there for the ask me anything episode which was the final one before the mock draft and then i was there for the mock draft as well give us a, a little nugget here was there a question that kind of uh really sparked your interest that something maybe that you hadn't thought about maybe it's an angle of the marketplace where hey this question could be indicative of what's going on out there in Devi leaks was there something uh, a nugget from the the college and Devi landscape most of the questions weren't about players specifically. They were just about different formats and strategies and things like that. I was, um, there were a few questions about players, but the one that stood out the most that I thought was interesting, and I think Ryan McDowell had a very good answer, was how does the NIL affect college players as well as the transfer portal. Now they can stay in school an extra year and get paid. So that'll push older guys to the NFL. Guys that are on the fringe um, may stay that extra year. So again, how does that affect your Debbie strategy? That was a very thought-provoking question. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, NIL. I mean, we've seen it's the Wild West. Uh, We've seen so many moves. And frankly, it seems like there's almost NIL in the NFL because we've seen so many trades, more dynasty uh, centric kind of deals that we have not seen three, five years ago. So that's going to be interesting to see if that keeps up with quarterbacks being traded. Uh, a lot of, you know, we've seen first round picks being traded about for wide receivers as well. We actually have a few news items and it's running back centric. Wanted to get your rapid fire thoughts here at the start of the show. The rest of the show is going to be wide receiver. So don't worry, wide receivers can get plenty of love here. But Travis Etienne, uh, a big watch player for this coming year, he basically had a red shirt, got hurt last summer. Cleared for a full go. And this is early. Checks watch. I mean, we are in May and it was going to be, this is one of those depth charts. Uh, I think Baltimore is another one where you say, who's healthiest and the earliest, and that may be who's the week one starter. So Travis Etienne, he's going to get all the pedigree tiebreakers, but James Robinson is another one coming back from injury. So any thoughts here on, on Travis Etienne, the profile Jaguars and an Etienne coming into a pivotal year too, to stay healthy. No, it's, that's great news. Great news for the young man. Uh, I'm sure he wants to see the field. He's very talented. So it's wheels up. And hopefully, I mean, I don't like to see anybody get injured, but we haven't even started really with the OTAs and the rookie camps and everything else. So there's a long way to go between now and the beginning of the football season, but it's great news. 
Yeah, I would just remind folks that don't get discouraged. I know seeing if you drafted ETN and then Jamar Chase was after you, Kyle Pitts was after you. It was a very good class last year. And and don't what I would say is I've seen people sell low on Travis ETN and it's, you know, be careful because once he's healthy, once he's the star, he'll get every opportunity. So unless he goes Rashad Penny on us, you know, and it's just it's years at a time with with not being healthy and not really seeing a lot from him as the 1A for that offense. I think you have to be super patient because he is a profile with round one and a strong profile as a prospect to say, you need to be patient. So if you drafted him in the top three, trading him, you know, just, oh, let me move over and draft, trade him for 106 this year to reset the clock. I mean, he's still a young running back with elite pedigree that you need to let that play out a little bit. And one injury, you really shouldn't impact that. Yeah, that's just a, a lot of dynasty owners are, they, they really hurt their team because they're not patient. Uh, and a guy that gets injured, that's not necessarily, that's not his fault and you can't really hold it against them. It's not like he didn't produce. And, you know, people are so down on this year's or last year's quarterback class, uh, giving up on Trevor Lawrence already, even though he started off really bad. But if you look at his final game when he didn't have uh, Coach Meyer there, you know, he looked pretty good. I think he's going to be fine in the long run, but you have to have patience in Dynasty. Yep. Uh, next one is Rashad Penny, already already dealing with a hamstring. And I would say this is, I mean, they drafted Kenneth Walker for a reason. They brought back Penny, but we don't, we'll see what we have in Chris Carson. Seattle's a tough one to navigate on how many starts we're going to see from any of these three guys, you know, to, to put that those puzzle pieces together this year. Obviously, Penny's been a guy oft injured and and more uh, more off the field than on. So he's going to be a, an interesting watch at 26 years old where they brought him back and he could be the week one starter. He could keep Kenneth Dixon over there arm's length for a while. Uh, he has the talent, but can he stay healthy? Can he ride that momentum from last season? He's one that I could see a pretty wide range. I mean, if he balls out and he's the running back one through, you know, a top top option through a month, all of a sudden, what's his value? You know, in season, that's going to be pronounced. You can get a first, you know, and, and maybe maybe a touch more. Uh, but if he goes down this rabbit hole, it's going to be thirds and fourths and sh- FFPC. He might get dropped. Like that's the he has a huge range. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, people were already giving up on him before that end of the season that he had isn't going to last that long if he's banged up to start this season. People will forget. Uh, like I said, dynasty owners can be their own worst enemy enemies by being impatient. And then the last one, Daryl Williams, a friend of mine. Uh, I love the guy. Uh, I, I think he's been a, a grinder, yeoman's work uh, that no one was counting on him. And the way he rose up, uh, he was the trusted option for Patrick Mahomes. I was a little surprised that they go for Ronald Jones and don't bring back Daryl Williams. But Daryl Williams goes to Arizona. And for all the Eno Benjamin fans, Keontae Ingram, of this potential for who's going to be that number two, I think Daryl Williams walks in there and he's the number two to James Conner. Like all of a sudden, it's one of my favorite backfields with Conner and Williams there together. Yeah, uh, I think it's depth. He's a lunch pail type running back. He's one of those one injury away type guys and good for Arizona for recognizing that. Yep. All right. Uh, Wide receivers. So this is a really important one because the type of format you say all the time uh, that that the type of the depth of your lineup, the depth maybe of your roster as well, determines how much latitude you have for wide receiver roster spots. So I get a lot of questions about, you know, this player or this player, is this wide receiver good enough to stash and be the exception to the rule? So we're going to get into that in major form. Let's talk generally, though. The how, the when, the why to stash for upside. What are some of your tips for the wide receiver position? 
For my wide receivers, I like to have, again, depending on the format, if I need to start three wide receivers, I want to have, you know, try to get as many studs as I can. And then the rest of the guys that I want around, I want guys that on a weekly basis can put up wide receiver one numbers. Um, I don't care if they're necessarily going to put up stinker weeks because that happens even to the best of them. The main thing is to get a guy that could put up the kind of numbers either with an injury or just an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I, I'm going to use a, a new one here to phrase it this way. I'm going to say wide receiver plus one. So if your lineup is one, I think the minimum you have is two. If the starting lineup is two, the minimum you have is three. And then three equals four, four equals five. So I think all those things point to you have an option, hopefully, and hopefully that core is guys that you trust. So does that mean your plus one option is Brandon Cooks? Does that mean your plus one option, if you're really good, is someone like Mike Evans? So you really want this dependable. And I would say the other part is... Uh, you know, best ball, you expand that a little bit. Um, and obviously, if you go four or five, maybe it's plus two is the minimum. But I think that is maybe the first starting point. You can't get overzealous in general because we know you're going to want to get running backs. We know that you're going to be, you're definitely going to be tempted on a regular basis once August hits with, uh, with waiver options of the changing landscape. And the other key rule I would put out there, just general guideline, is it's typically last in the hierarchy that running back is first, typically, in terms of just total number of roster spots. Hey, I want to be liquid. Why? Well, the why is running back. And then I would say, if it gets deep enough roster-wise, you probably have super flex or two quarterback. So backup quarterbacks greater than wide receivers, in my opinion. Then if there's a big tight end premium or two tight end, and again, if you're going deep enough with 30 plus 40 roster spots, then those are big time stashes because those are lineup implications. And then all those uh, iterations are over wide receiver. So it really does mean lean and mean. You, you kind of alluded to that. Can I get, and, and we do this all the time in our leagues where can we get one more true auto start? Don't even worry about it type wide receiver. In almost every setting, you can say that would help my team. If I can go three to four, four to five, and then you can constrict down with any other ancillary wide receivers with trades or potential cuts down the line to save roster spots. So the trade has multiple purposes, improving your depth chart, but also saying, hey, I don't have to feel pressure to chase the position ever. Um, all right. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. makes a lot of positive sense. All right. So what are some general guidelines before we get to some specific players, specific situations, when you're looking about stash wide receivers of, of maybe going beyond this number, this core anchor, I, I feel comfortable starting them type, type number. When you go beyond that, what are some commonalities on your teams on who fits, who fits this, uh, this role? I'm looking for somebody who's got a quarterback that can support them. Like uh, Dak Prescott, or Matt Stafford, or Patrick Mahomes, or Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, guys that distribute the ball and can elevate the games on any given Sunday of those wide receivers. I don't want to stash a guy that's on a team with Sam Darnold, for example, or even Justin Fields, as much as I like him, he's not ready for prime time. He's not ready to support more than one or two wide receivers. I don't want to stash the wide receiver three from the Bears. 
So I look at that. I look at um, the, the competition in general for targets on that team and whether or not I think that something has changed enough to make that player interesting. And, and also uh, just avoiding the hype. There's a lot of these sleepers or guys that we're going to be talking about are great values. So you don't have to pay a lot. You can pick them up off the waiver wire right now for free, or you could add them in a trade for nothing. They're a throwaway, throw in Rodney Dangerfield type player that gets no respect, but for whatever the situation, it looks like they could be that Hunter Renfro from last year. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about this at all pre-show or, you know, in the days leading up. And I wrote down three things. I got a little geeky making a spreadsheet just because I was curious. And the three things I wrote down were level of offense. So that's read quarterback, quarterback and, you know, top 10, top 12, whatever numbers you want to put on it, but they got to be strong because honestly, we were probably looking at ancillary targets. There probably is already a go-to target in the price point. We're discussing the true stash wide receiver there's going to be an elite tight end on the team, or there's going to be a already declared wide receiver one in almost every case. And then the other, the other parts I put are upward mobility. How high can they get? How easily could, is the wide receiver two role wide open? Is it so ambiguous that maybe the wide receiver one is relatively affordable right now? We could see that occurring. I actually have one interesting depth chart I wanted to ask you about, and then their profile. I think ancillary to those two things, because there's a situational roster spot I think the profile matters a little bit. The guy that's day three, the guy that we haven't seen any production from is a greater risk than someone that is day two. They're going to have some allegiance. Maybe they have a strong production tra- back, uh, background from college. So these are aspects, NFL production, college production, and how high they went round one, round two, preferable, You know, higher is better. So, so those are some of the key factors here. I wanted to ask you just to kick things off. Um, a couple different depth charts. Then these are strong offenses, strong quarterbacks. And two guys I wrote down for Green Bay. And I guess we could say Alan Lazard, but he costs something. Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers, both really cheap. One's a veteran that we haven't seen good play from him in a while. Amari Rogers, one one year in, he wasn't super productive for most of his uh, Clemson career. He comes in, not really much of a role in year one. Where are those guys in terms of your your stash ability and and breaking ties because I wrote down so many guys and it's like you might only be able to roster one or two of these of, of 20, 30, 40 guys. I mean it's amazing how many you can come up with. And like you said, I think you need to be almost flexible because uh, on who's out there on the waiver wire first. Yeah, I think that Amari Rogers is very attainable, but with the addition of Christian Watson, who's a first round pick, he's going to get the all the opportunities in the world uh, ahead of Amari Rogers. I, I love the Sammy Watkins, though. Um, even though he hasn't done a lot of late, he's a very talented wide receiver, and we, he has done it before. And now he's paired with Aaron Rodgers. And who else does Rodgers have to throw to? I know that a healthy Robert Tanyan would be great. But him and Sammy Watkins, I think, could lift the lid on that offense along with Aaron Jones. And then guys like Alan Lazard and Christian Watson don't have to be the guy, but they can be, you know, that overpriced, overhyped because they're on Green Bay and you're walking away smiling with Sammy Watkins in your back pocket. Yep. Next one, Kansas City Chiefs. The two names I wrote down that are pretty affordable, McCall Hardman. People are throwing him. I mean, he's way cheaper than when rookie draft time when he was coming out. 
And then Marcus Valdez Scanling, another guy that's been productive in the NFL to some extent. And that whole depth chart, we we expect Juju Smith Schuster to bounce back, but still one year contract for the second year in a row. And it's been a while since we've seen it. So this is a, a spot where outside of Kelsey, one of these guys might get the most targets. I mean, let's not put that out of so so the upward mobility is very high here. The quarterbacking and offense is very high, but obviously Hardman's shown not that much so far, and Marcus Valdez Scanling has been not a well-rounded receiver so far. Yeah, I would be leaning more towards Mequel Hardman. And then if he doesn't make it, it's easy enough to have a quick, uh, you know, kill switch on him if if you need to. I mean, is is Hardman a guy that you could see in sub twenty five man rosters where you take a shot and if you don't see it in the first few weeks, you're like, you know, it's it's Juju, it's you know, two or three other options, and Hardman is still doing his same thing, his same shtick from before, where every month he might have one good game, but it's on four targets. Like if he's doing that still, you might have a, a kill switch on him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the answer is going to come sooner rather than later on him. You can probably tell just from camps. So you may be able to just turn that back, that roster spot, but by then the prices are going to be changed dramatically as well. I there's other players on other teams that I would target before Michael Hardman, but he would certainly be in my top 10 uh, more so than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Right. It seems like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we kind of saw him in the ancillary lid lifter role in Green Bay, and they probably got that to at least partition off part of what Tyreek Hill did at his peak of scaring defenses with his over, you know, running deep overs and, and nine routes that Patrick Mahomes can throw it, but also can just keep everything a little more clean inside of 15 yards. This is the one that I wanted to ask you. I don't know if we've talked about this guy on air in maybe a year or two. So he's below the radar, day two guy, and Baltimore now is up in the air. So we've got Rashad Bateman. He's the guy that a lot of people now are getting top five rookie picks for. He's elevated. He's the assumptive Mark Andrews and who? But Devin Duvernay entering a a typical breakout period, day two pedigree. We talked about him a lot on the Devi front. Here he is coming off his, his best season. That doesn't mean a lot, but he's progressing. What do you think about Duvernay in this wide receiver stash? Let's see what we have. Let's make sure Bateman is the guy and no one else matters before we consider him not viable. I actually had two written down. Devin Duvernay is my number one for Baltimore, but James Prochet, James Prochet uh, is right there. If I think they both are very similar type players and uh, can do similar things on the football field. So it'll be interesting to see, but I've already stashed, a bunch of big play Duvernay. I love the kid. And when you watched him play at Texas, I mean, he he's just one of those grinded out type of guys. He could be a Hunter Renfro, very cheap right now, waiver wires right now, but in season, it's going to be somebody. You, you got to know it's got to be somebody. And in the deeper leagues, I would say uh, Prochet would have that shot as well. In a shallower league, Duvernay is the only one I would be interested in of the two. And for bookkeeping, I would say they also spent an early day three pick on Tylen Wallace, who is pretty productive. We didn't see much of him last year. I can't remember if it was injury or just being buried. Um, but with Marquise Brown out, you know, again, who's going to stretch the field? Who's going to create space and have some sporadic best ball and uh, and bigger play moments? 
How about how about uh, Dallas, uh, Katie? Because Michael Gallup being out early in the year, a lot of people are pushing up Jalen Tolbert, the rookie, sometimes into round two, a lot of times in round three. But James Washington is another got buried in in Pittsburgh amidst all those other day two picks that ended up working out there. He got pushed out. He has been. I think he I think he has a thousand yard season in the NFL. I don't think I think he had two or three touchdowns that year, so it wasn't a big finish for him. But James Washington, Jalen Tolbert, and especially early in the season. What do you think about Dallas there with, uh, like you mentioned, Dak Prescott, certainly fitting that opportunity and uh, quarterback play threshold? I absolutely had James Washington written down as one of my sneaky sleepers for the Cowboys. I I like him um, better than the rookie just because he's already been there, done that. And I like his game. I think he's going to complement that offense with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and find his own niche. Gallup was that vertical guy. And it seems like James Washington would be perfect. You know, if Gallup is on pup, if he misses six to eight, six to eight games, I mean, Washington can replicate a lot of that, you know, run deep routes and, and run some comebacks, run some 15 yard outs and Washington. He's pretty underrated in my opinion. I mean, he was a very good prospect. And the Steelers, who, again, get a lot of stuff right, drafted him and got him right until they drafted other guys, frankly, um, after him. Um, all right. So digging a little deeper, I think, I think those are some of the more obvious ones. Um, I, would, I would just ask your general opinion on some other guys like, what do you think about Marvin Jones? I mean, I know he's not a, a guy that maybe is on waiver wires, but it seems like he could be the number one for Trevor Lawrence. And if Lawrence takes a step forward... I mean, where are we sitting with Marvin Jones, who gets no respect? Yeah, uh, I the quarterback situation hasn't shown me enough to want to stash yeah. Marvin Jones in in the tighter, maybe in a deeper league. But I, I really put, do I put think offense average is is kind of one of the. I put it in the secondary bucket of it could be better. It could be tier one. We could be going back six months from now and be like, wow, look at that. But it also, I mean, if it's QB eighteen out there then is there big value for one or two guys in the passing game? Right. And and then the question is, Christian Kirk is there, Zay Jones is there, LaVishka Chenault, they yeah. don't use him it's, or haven't really used him in the past. Yeah. You now have Evan Ingram at tight end. So there's plenty of targets. That's another thing with a second-year quarterback and all those targets trying to take a dart throw. There's other guys and, and I've still got yeah, yeah. three that I got? haven't mentioned you, on yeah, other teams. Let's, let's swap it. Who do you, who go one by one? Who do you have? All right. So new quarterback in Denver, I'm going to go with Tim Patrick. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are thinking Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy where Tim Patrick. He was or, a productive or, guy. Yeah. Or they're thinking KJ Hamler and KJ Hamler is more expensive than Tim Patrick, which is insane. So I think Patrick would be a great value and a great stash, especially with Russell Wilson coming in. I think he can distribute the ball very well. One thing I'll say is let's not let's not assume that Russell Wilson is going to come in and all of a sudden he's going to set career highs in pass attempts. Because I think a lot of people are thinking this is going to be let Russ cook. Well, look at this team. They brought back Melvin Gordon. They've got Javante Williams. They had a really good thing going last year, but they just needed more upside when they did throw it, when they did get into shootouts. They're in the AFC West and they're going to have shootouts. But I just think in the macro, we might be overstating and overcooking how much we're going to see Chef Russell Wilson and throw in 35, 40 plus times. Like, I think that's the one thing I would say that of all these, you know, and I think specifically between Judy and Sutton, there's going to be one 
that we look back and it's like, wow, that was overvalued. Because I don't think there's going to be multiple. I don't think it's going to be a Seattle situation where everything runs through one or two guys and those two guys can be top 20 and everyone else is fighting for scraps. I think Tim Patrick is legit. I think KJ Hamler can play. He's just been hurt. They spent a second round pick on KJ Hamler. He looks like Tyler Lockett. We've seen Russell Wilson do this. So they've got four really strong guys. And then they they just drafted a tight end in round three and they have Albert O. That's a lot of weapons for probably a middling volume. So just be careful would be my my thing on this this is my this is, is a quality quarterback, but may not be the situation to chase. I mean I think they're going to run the ball a ton. Um what else you got? What what's next? Thought we were going to alternate. Oh, okay. no, I can alternate if you want, but I might take yours. Um, no, that's okay. I, I've only got two more guys. Okay. Um, Paris Campbell, Indianapolis. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah, we got Good Matt pedigree. Ryan there, and uh, he's got to throw the ball to somebody. It's pretty slim pickings it's there. Pittman and question mark, right? Right. Outside of Michael Pittman, what you got? And yeah, you're going to run the ball a lot with Jonathan Taylor, and he can catch out of the backfield. Round two um, pedigree, though. Tight end Round two pedigree, really- four three speed, and a lot of people are throwing him aside. So yeah, Paris Campbell's a really good one. I mean, I just I, I remember watching. I think he had seven for seventy six or something week one last year, and then got hurt. And he was on track. Like I don't know if we'd be talking about him like this if he were healthy last year. I think he would have posted a pretty good season. So uh, so he's a really interesting one. Um, what do you think about Brian Edwards going to Atlanta? I know it's not the quarterback. It does not check these boxes. But do you think that he could be right there with Drake London? Do you think he's going to get any sort of uh, run as the wide receiver two or better? I don't know. I don't have him on my list um, because I, that entire wide receiver core is just so up in the air. Uh, and we haven't really seen it yet with Brian Edwards. I'm hoping I've got my fingers crossed. I've got him in a few leagues stashed already, and I'm not going to cut him um, or trade him at this point. I want to see it and believe it. And it then rubs either- me the wrong way, though. The fact that they basically bail on him. Round three pick, and they go, we got Devontae Adams, so you can just go. on. Like yeah. It's a rookie contract. So there must be something work ethic-wise or just not fitting. And because they bailed, this is a complete bail job. And then you go to a team that get, again, Kyle Pitts is basically a wide receiver. And then Drake London, top 10 pick. Brian Edwards can do almost anything he wants, and he will have zero tiebreakers over both of those players for the foreseeable future. So that's one thing. I mean, injuries could happen. And obviously, out of, I mean, the rest of the depth chart is pretty pedestrian. I'll say, though, I mean, Auden Tate has shown more in the NFL than, than uh, Brian Edwards. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical of that situation. There was a, a little bit of a sell window. Maybe it still exists uh, to, to, to shed him if, uh, if you need to off of rosters for a rookie draft trade up or something like that. Uh, do you have another one if we're trading? I do. Last yeah. one, uh, Curtis Samuel, Washington. Yeah. Carson Wentz there in town. You got Taylor Haneke if, if Wentz gets injured. And then uh, I'm not thinking much out of Sam Howell in year one for opportunity, but let's say a healthy Carson Wentz the entire season, Terry McLaurin, and then who? They've got Jahan Dotson. I think Curtis Samuel is a very shifty. He played running back and H-back in college, so he can catch pretty much any route and be used all over the field. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I was going to ask, and uh, where was it? Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So did the David Bell drafting cool you on on Donovan Peoples-Jones behind Amari Cooper? And if we see the ultimate with uh, Deshaun Watson for a, a number of games this year? 
Uh, it wasn't David Bell that cooled me on Donovan Peoples Jones. It's just that he hasn't done much and flash. He, yeah, he's yeah. Been, he's no, I mean it's his play. His player lack thereof. Well, yeah, mid day three, me. right? Mid day three. Yeah. You got to kind of prove yourself. Otherwise, you should be on waiver wires. To be fair, I mean, until you pop off. And if someone you if someone rosters that guy for eighteen months and then it pays off, that's a long time to sit on a day three wide receiver. That uh, again, a lot of times turns to a nothing. Right. You just look at guys that are five stars going from high school into college. They're big Debbie names for a long, long time. People can't quit them. It's a really tough thing. <laughs> and they're sitting there stashed on your roster, taking up space. Depending on the depth of your league, I don't know what you're waiting for. And uh, I'm going to throw a grenade. Stephon Diggs doesn't happen every day. I'm going to throw a grenade into the room, Katie, and see what happens down the hallway. Okay. We've got, uh, how about this one? Jalen Rager. No. (laughs) No. So he's not even in the stash list. So if you have Jalen Rager, is he a hot seat player in this sense? When you get to August, when you get to September, he will be churned out for the waiver wire. Is that most, or because I've heard people shopping him for late thirds and fourths in rookie drafts. If I could get, if I could get, so that's anything that's waiver. I mean, literally, if you're trading him for a fourth, that's a waiver. Right. Name, basically. I would trade him for wa- waiver wire bucks or a pick or whatever. Okay. Shop just, before you drop. Because he's got to change teams now with AJ Brown there. And he wasn't on the success track anyway. So he would have right. to get a an ideal landing spot. If he were released, I doubt a team would trade for him, but who knows? I mean, Brian Edwards got, you know, a con- conditional trade down sort of thing um, there. Um, all right. Three, how about three three uh, free agents? So I, I bet you're going to be super firm on this with at least one of them. Will Fuller, he's out there. Now with no landing spot, how do you view wide receiver stashes like this? There's so many teams that still need wide receiver help that he's got more talent than a lot of the guys that we've named. And I would still stash Will I mean, we've Fuller seen, in most We've seen games. top 12 adjusted points per game out of him. I mean, we've seen big time play with uh, Deshaun Watson and uh, I can't remember how much he's played with non Deshaun Watson, but, but yeah, Will Fuller, big question mark on, does he get many more opportunities, man? What a fall after he got the PED pop, which you'd like to say, wow, he stayed healthy that year. Coincidence uh, for his big year uh, there with Houston. All right. How about Julio Jones? What is he about? I don't think he's a wide receiver stash. No, I, I, I don't think so. Does he have the juice left? That's the biggest <laughs> thing, right? I mean, it seems yeah. like it's been a pretty big fall last 12, 18 months of just watch him on the field. He doesn't look the same. Yeah. I mean, even AJ Green, who is playing, uh, was right. viewed in that same light as not having anything left. And you couldn't even trade him for a fourth round pick. So and if unless you really think you're he's not starting going him, to... Yeah. What's that? Well, there's a the, the, there's the do I think he can do enough to flip him for something that actually matters, or, or do I say, think he can do enough or, to help? Do I think I can actually stream him? Like, oh, if I have an injury plus a bye week, can I see myself in week five starting him? Some sort of scenario like that, because it has to be one or the other, right? I mean, they're either an asset or they're a lineup asset that uh, you know is helping me tangibly as, as a contender, and I I just don't know if Julio has it. I, that's the the part for me. I I saw him on some FFPC teams and just you know just going way deep in the seven round annual draft. And it's like yeah, that's about right. That's about yeah, right. Someone just taking a shot if he gets signed or whatever. But I mean, 
do you he doesn't even really project as the wide receiver one for his team anymore no and and that's a thing with guys that you loved for so long like Todd Gurley and Julio Jones and all you know a bunch of other ones that are of that age and just don't have it anymore there comes a time when you just got to admit it to yourself and say I'm sorry I love you I will always love you but I don't have room for you on my roster anymore yep and one more and man this is going to be a another grenade one Antonio Brown no no <laughs> Just a no, no, no. That's no. That's not, not even close. <laughs> that do you think he gets right. another opportunity? I mean, we of, of these three guys of Will Fuller, Antonio Brown, and Julio Jones, we've seen good play from Antonio Brown most recently of those three. Now we've also seen him with his shirt off and walking away, so <laughs> we haven't seen that from Julio or Fuller. Yeah, I mean, the the problem is you're taking up the stash spot from somebody else who's already on a team who is climbing, ascending, you know, you've got opportunity. And then if it doesn't pan out, yeah, then now you can open up a a roster spot in September and get somebody off the waiver wire. There's always nice, it's always nice to have an easy drop, but no, I, I wouldn't, I'd let him just stay silently on the waiver wire if that's where he is. And I wouldn't want to trade for him, but if he's on the waiver wire, I might put him on my watch list and just keep my ears to the ground to see if there's any scuttle on him potentially signing with somebody. I don't know that somebody's going to give him another chance. Right. That's the other thing. I, I think one one maturity thing for me that five years ago I was not thinking this way, and it's really helped my teams results-wise, but also just managing into the future. I, I think not enough people when they look at roster spots and the last few or the last, the back half of their roster or whatever, I used to view it as this is my team. I'm looking for the highest upside and I'm willing to wait on guys. if I believe in the profile and all this kind of stuff. And that sounds great. That is such a great March plan. It's a, such a great May plan, but you know where it sucks? August. Starting in August, that half of the year, that half of the bucket, it's horrible. And that's the, what I call the Jeff Janis principle. And so I would just charge people that when you look at your team today, whether that's before the rookie draft, after the rookie draft, you've already had some waivers running or whatever, I would tell you to make sure you're looking through the lens of what does this player have to show or tell me by week one or by the preseason or by training camp so that I would keep them because you're going to get tempted. In a good way, you should be tempted because those roster spots are meant to almost play redraft or play DFS in some instances of what's going to happen this week or this month. So I would just tell you with every single one of these guys that you know we're talking some up, we're saying there's possibilities, but you need to have a line in the sand. I'm not telling you you have to write it out or anything, but know in your head, what do I need to see or hear so that I keep Sammy Watkins or I keep Paris Campbell, or I keep, you know, Jalen Reger or whoever is in these spots for you, ancillary wide receiver, because the last thing you want to do is get hooked in like a fish all the way through. And you're holding them through all these waiver periods, through viable players at other more important positions, depending on your format. And I really was not thinking this way years ago with these roster spots. I was thinking about, well, I really like this player. 
Oh, I drafted them in the first round. Oh, what could they be in 2025? Boy, won't that be magical. And that's not what roster spot 24, 28, 32 is for. So I know it gets tight, especially the more shallow it gets. And that means you need to be even more stringent, even more stringent with all this stuff. You got to wear a really tight turtleneck with with wide receiver and FFPC or 20-man or 24-man. It gets tight. I understand. And we're talking about some names that are probably middle of the road, some deeper, some shallower. But man, answer the question, what do they have to show me? What do I need to hear or see? Because otherwise, you're going to get hooked in for way too long with these guys. Absolutely. It's a trap. I love that one. It's a trap. (laughs) Sheldon's best impression. It's a trap. Uh, Final thoughts, Katie. We're talking wide receiver in this episode, but we still got people doing rookie drafting and we've got plenty of people coming out of their biggest uh, cross section of the year of rookie drafting. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think many dynasty leagues draft anywhere from the NFL draft all the way. I mean, yeah, from the NFL draft all the way to preseason and almost like a redraft. I don't like those dynasty leagues. I like the ones where we do our rookies a week before the NFL draft. That makes it even more fun. But no, just final thoughts. Try not to buy running backs this time of year. Remember, this is the time to sell those off-season hyped running backs that look like they're going to have the starting job, uh, especially if they're on the older side. See if you can't cash out. And then you don't have to worry about what's going to happen, injuries, you don't have to worry about your lineup right now. It's not even the end of May yet. Yep. Lineup season is uh check swatch almost four months away, three and a half months away. So it's going to it's gonna be a while before we're all the way home there. I had a couple other things just to empty the holster here in terms of my notes. Uh, the developmental young player for, for, the, for wide receivers, round one pedigree, strong profile on day two. Those are the, the easy things. But again, be careful. I say it before. Be careful drafting them in the rookie drafts. How much allegiance? Are you going to give them two full seasons? Or what do you need to see as a rookie? Is it are they are they completely blocked? And you know what? They were drafted in round three, round four. They're not going to get a ton of tiebreakers over established veterans. Assess that depth chart. You got to look a little more situational if they don't have strong round one, top 10, you know, big time profile pedigree that you're going to have allegiance and you should have allegiance and flexibility and patience with those players. So one more time, I wanted to shout out uh, Katie and I uh, over the weekend. You can find that on Katie's Twitter at FF underscore Skyler 399. You can also find out about her depth summit appearance. So you can find out a lot of information about that. You got informa- uh, You got questions between episodes. You can find us. It's startup draft season, I like to say, because the next month or six weeks, it's going to be relatively static uh, in terms of player value, general news. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing to have a sense of what's going to going on out there in the startup draft space. So might be time. Uh, might be time to add a team. I've yet to do a startup draft, so this might be an ideal time in the next week or two to find something applicable and uh, I dive in. So that might be a, a fun journey for myself in 2022. Took on a bunch of orphans, but uh, reminder about uthdynasty.com, a lot of premium podcasts. And we talked about the impact of the running back position. I'll just highlight this week, uh, the running back injury away matrix is live. I've added some new features for upside, for clarity for this year, and it's already updated for post-NFL draft and updated with Daryl Williams uh, today. So uh, there's a lot in there highlighting some players to stash, highlighting some players that are underrated. And 
it's updated every single week, pretty much starting in August. And, and it really is one of those living, breathing documents that I would point people towards as a, a pinnacle thing that can affect these final roster spots and makes you not think about wide receivers so much when you see all the, the running backs that may be available on your waiver wire in your leagues. So I'm Chad Parsons. She is Katie Flower. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.